Welcome to you 50, uh, here in New York City, right in the heart of Broadway, but we're, welcome to you online. Can we welcome our friends online all over the world? Welcome. I'd like to speak to you today on the, the miracle of multiplication. The miracle of multiplication, we'll look over in John chapter 6 in a few uh, moments. The miracle of multiplication. The heart of God and His Spirit at work to produce multiplication for the glory of the Lord Jesus has been the very heartbeat of our church, of this church, from the very beginning, almost four decades ago. Please realize, if you come to Times Square Church, this is your church, please understand that there is an anointing, a destiny of multiplication upon this church. Now think about it. Our founder, Pastor David Wilkerson, wrote his first book, The Cross and the Switchblade, that for 30, 40 years was the most read Christian book in the world after the Bible. And, and he, he started one center, one teen challenge in Brooklyn, New York. But now today, there's over 1,100 centers all over uh, the world uh, to bring uh, uh, freedom to the addicted. Now think about it, through his uh, uh, 35 or 40 other books and thousands of messages uh, read and heard by millions, uh, Brother Dave uh, just just, uh, had an anointing on him for, for multiplication. Even in his latter years, last 15 years of his life, he traveled the world speaking to thousands of pastors like me all over the world, igniting fires and hearts all over the world. Pastor Carter multiplied our missions and mercy works around the world, and, and in our, even in our, in our city, even in New York, supporting hundreds of mercy ministries and agencies, multiplying mercy and love in action. And with his wife, Dr. Theresa Conlon, uh, they, they, they founded and they, they developed the, uh, the Summit School of Ministry, multiplying servants of God around the world. There's a multiplying anointing and destiny and calling on this church. And Pastor Tim, Pastor Tim Delina leads us now with a burning heart and passion for an unprecedented multiplication of souls coming to Jesus Christ here in New York City, but also around the world online. So how many of you could could just give God praise for the spirit of multiplication for the kingdom of God. Now, now the miracle of multiplication, the feeding of the 5,000, is one of the most well-known miracles in the Bible. The multiplication of the loaves and fishes, it's remarkable and extremely significant. Among the 40 to 45 miracles found and recorded in the gospel, it's the only one that's found in uh, in all four gospels. Only this miracle and the resurrection of Christ is found in in all four gospels. It is the most massive miracle in terms of the number of people that, uh, that were witness to it and touched by it. No other miracle of Jesus involves so many people. The number of 5,000 men does not count uh, women and children. The Gospel of Matthew actually said without the women and children. That's how they counted back then, which gives us a very conservative estimation of 20 to 25,000 people that were fed that day. They were not only witnesses to this, of this miracle, they tasted it. They ate of it. They partook of it. 
And that is what Jesus desires for each and every one of us here today and also online. Not for you just to be a witness to miracles, to hear stories of what he's doing elsewhere of yesterday. He wants you to taste and see for yourself today that he is good. Now, this is Sunday afternoon. I know it's, uh, it's messy outside, but we're in the house uh, on this Sunday. Can we step back and say, can, is there someone in the house that will celebrate with me? God has been good to me. I have reasons to celebrate. Can I hear a shout through the rain and the sleet and everything else? It is, it is a, a God's will. He's the God of, of multiplication. It is God's will, it is the Father's will for each child of God in every season uh, and only facet of your life, not only to add, he's not the God of addition, not only to add a little bit better to your life, but hundreds of promises throughout the scriptures, from Genesis to Revelation, you, go, you start with the father of faith, you go through the patriarchs and the prophets throughout the Old Testament, you, you go through the four gospels with Jesus, and then in the book of Acts, and then in every epistle, is the, is the, you will find a proclamation of the message of the miracle of multiplication. It is a, the miracle of multiplication is unique because it's a creational miracle. Jesus did and does miracles of restoration, healing of the blind and the deaf and the lame. Miracles of transformation, changing the water into wine, calming the storms. Miracles of deliverance from evil spirits and the demonic and diseases and sickness. But the miracle of multiplication is a creational miracle. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus can still create. He can still, if anyone is in Christ, they can be still still a new creation. He can create a new heart. He can create a new hope. He can create a new freedom. He can create a new marriage. He can create a new reconciliation. He can create a new destiny for your life. He can create and resurrect whatever is dead in you. He is still doing creational miracles. Say yes, please. So John, please hear me. The abundant life Jesus offers is that you and me would be transformed from a mentality of minimum and misery into a mindset of, of, of spiritual multiplication. This is what John 20, uh, verse 30 and 31. And truly Jesus did many other signs or miracles in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in the book, but they are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have access to life, life abundant and life eternal in his name. The miracle of Jesus lead us to, to the message of Jesus and a new measure of the multiplication of the abundant life in Jesus. Nothing is static in your relationship with God. The church is not a wax museum. It's a wow movement. Now, you didn't know that, but we conjugate the verb wow in the kingdom of God because God wows us with his grace and he wants your life to become a source of wow. Lean over to the person next to you, uh, smile at them and just say, wow. Just say that to the person next to you. I saw a little bit more action in the single section when I went Do you realize how God calls us out of the house of minimum? of small fruit, from the very beginning with Abraham. 
Now in the New Testament, in the book of Romans, it says, look to Abraham. He's the model. He's the father of, he's the father of faith. He's our father. And, and he describes his faith as calling to existence what did not exist and, and, and calling to life what was dead. But look to, the, to, to Abraham. He's the father of faith. And in his very calling in the book of beginnings, in the, ve- in the, ver- in the very genesis of his calling, there's a, there's a calling out, out of small fruit, out of, uh, of the message of, of, uh, uh, of minimum. And we find it in, in Genesis 11, 31, and 12, 1 and 2. It's the calling of Abraham. And we read that Terah took his son, Abraham, and, and his grandson, and his uh, daughter-in-law, uh, um, uh, Sarai, uh, Sarai uh, uh, Abraham's wife, and they went out uh, from, the, from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of, the, of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. And watch the multiplication. And I will make you a great nation. I'll multiply you. I will bless you, and you shall be a blessing. I will multiply you and, uh, and make you to, to become a source of blessing and abundance to the nations. Please understand the, the context. They were called. It is a picture uh, of our new birth and, of, and our, our new life in Christ. They, they came out of Ur of Chaldee, and, and they're going towards the Canaan, which is a promised land. It, it speaks of the eternal and abundant life that Jesus has for every single one of us. But uh, on their way, they stop in a place called Haran. And when you look at the word, it is, it is shocking because the, the significance of the word, that place was called the place of small fruit. It's the place of barrenness. It's the place of little. It, it, it is the place of, of, of minimum. And, and that still exists today. That, that exists today. The, the, enemy, the enemy would like to lock you in to a, a place of small fruit, small faith. Small joy, small peace, small sacrifice, small, small courage, small, small service, small, small destiny, small worship, small gratitude, small amen, obviously. <laughs> Give me a large amen, please. So they're called to the place, they, they, they're called to Canaan, but they stop. Now, we don't have all the details, but we know a few things. We know somebody died along the way. We know it's a long, it's, a, it's, it's an exhausting uh, travel. It's a, and they stopped. And I, and I can almost hear them because I've been pastoring for over four, four, 40 years. So I've heard a lot of people uh, with those types of thoughts. Uh, nah, I'm not going to die here, but we're, we're just uh, taking a break, a break. I was hurt. I was wounded. I was offended. I'm just taking a step back. I'm pulling back uh, since the pandemic. A whole bunch of, millions of people kind of, kind of pulled back. They stop in the place of small fruit. And one of the most tragic verse in all of scripture is the Bible says that Abraham's father died there. He died in the place of small fruit. But we know through the genealogies that when the voice of God called Abraham, his father was still alive. When God says, get out of your father's house. And I want, I want you to know that will be all around you. There will be believers that are content to be in a place of small fruit. You don't think higher of yourself than anybody else, but there's something in you that says, I'm not dying in a place of small fruit. I'm not staying here. Will you say yes, please? Jesus did many miracles that you may believe and have Zoe life. That's the, that's the Greek word. Zoe life, abundant and eternal. 
He wants to multiply his grace and his forgiveness and his, uh, in salvation, he multiplies his grace and his forgiveness and his nature and his victory over death for you. He, he multiplies our existence eternally. A Christian is born twice but never dies. But he also desires to multiply not only our existence eternally, but he wants to multiply in salvation he, and in his, and our walk with him by the Spirit to multiply our experience here on earth as his children and his church. Living epistles we are called to be. Living epistles that, that, that are calling out, that are proclaiming the miracle of multiplication. That God can multiply in every season of our life. He wants to multiply us. So what does the miracle of multiplication teaches us? About, about Jesus. The, two thoughts today. The first one, Jesus is still followed by multitudes because he still performs supernatural signs and miracles. In chapter 6 and verse 1 and 2 of the Gospel of John, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then, uh, then a great multitude followed him because they saw they saw his signs, his miracles. They saw his signs, his miracles, which he performed on those who were diseased. They, Jesus is still followed by multitudes because he still performs supernatural signs and miracles. The Gospel of John begins, if you read John chapter 1, he begins with a declaration and affirmation that Jesus is God, that he is the, the unique, only begotten Son of the Father in human form. He's not a special man, with some, with recipient of some miracles. Jesus is God. He's the source of all miracles. Now this miracle of multiplication is the fourth. It's the fourth in the, in the gospel. When we go read through the first chapter, the first miracle is the water turned into wine. Then you have the healing of the nobleman's son. Then you have the healing of the man who had been paralyzed for 38 years at the pool of Bethesda. But now Jesus will multiply. He will multiply the miraculous as he unfolds his deeper purposes for all of us until he comes. Great multitudes followed him because they saw his miracles. Uh, some have translated into English as the signs in the Greek original, semion, sema, semano, it, it speaks of signs. Uh, it's a signage. It's an indicator. It's uh, indicating and identifying him as the Son of God. I mentioned the verse 1 and 2 we just read are supercharged in the original Greek. And I'm mentioning this for the thousands that are following online. And even so many new people are coming to, uh, to faith in Christ. The New Testament was written uh, originally in a Greek language. And, and the Bible is translated uh, all over the world in all and so many languages like English, of course. And the Bible still today in 2023, the Bible is the most translated, most quoted, most read bestseller book in the world. And the reason is simple. The Bible is the only ancient book, ancient book whose author is still alive. That's the Bible. So when you look at verse 1 and 2, it says a great multitude, okios in the Greek, which means literally a, a, a multiplied multiply crowds of people that follow, uh, followed him. And, and what's so, so interesting is that we read in English, they, the multitudes followed him. But in the original Greek, it's a continual tense. You can really read it uh, more closely than the text. They followed and they followed and they followed because they saw and they saw and they saw. 
They followed him and followed him and followed him because they saw his miracles and they saw his miracles and they saw his miracles. And here we are 2,000 years later. We follow him still and we follow him and we follow him because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we see and we see and we see. Jesus never, never wants you to have a season in your life when you're following and you've stopped seeing. You've stopped seeking. How many of you say, oh God, I, I'm following you with all my heart. But I, as I follow and I follow and I follow, I follow, I want to see your grace. I want to see your work. I want to see, say amen anytime you like. I, I want to see your hand at work. They were following and following and following because they were seeing and seeing and seeing the miracles which he performed. Oh, performed uh, is poeo. We, we get the word poema from it. It's a, which is supernaturally, it's a supernatural creative capacity, ability and power. Uh, that's why in Ephesians 2, uh, 10, he will say, Paul will say to Christians, you are God's uh, workmanship. You are God's miracle. You are uh, God's poem. You are God's po poema. You're his creation, created in Christ Jesus. You, you are God's uh, masterpiece and, and, and work of art. God's desire is to, is to write his poema. Write his poema uh, through our lives. That our life becomes a proclamation that he never ends transforming. He never ends multiplying. Now it's interesting for you to know that if you read, when you read the Gospels and the miracles Jesus performed, it is absolutely not, the four Gospels are not a complete or exhaustive list of the three years of his earthly ministry. It's only snapshots, pictures, a token. Uh, please understand, if we assemble chronologically the life of Jesus that is presented to us in the four Gospels, beginning with his birth all the way to, resurrect, to, to his uh, death, resurrection, and, and his ascension, how many days, not years, how many days uh, of the life of Jesus do you think we, we find in the gospel? Let me tell you. Mo all theologians agree that we find a minimum of 20 days and a maximum of 52, day, 52, 52 days. That, that's all. We, the, the earthly ministry of Christ, we don't even have a full day of the ministry of Jesus. The 40 miracles are just samples. They're just vignettes. There's no sna snapshots of the work that he's announcing and continuing. They're just announcing... I am the resurrection and the life, and I will multiply my grace throughout the centuries and the millennium until I come all the way to New York City, all the way to us today. Now listen to, this is, John knew this. This is how he concludes his gospel in chapter 21, verse 24 and 25. This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote of these things. We know that this testimony is true, and there are also many other things that Jesus did. Which, if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the cosmos, even the, that's the Greek word, the world, the universe itself could not contain the books that would be written. Because e here today, every one of you, and online, the thousands of you, each one of you, each believer in the hundreds of millions around the world are God's poema, God's uh, a masterpiece that he's working, beginning a good work to perform it. Someone say yes, please. So the multitudes followed him because they saw his miracles, his sign that he performed poema on those, on those, upon those. Now, now the word epi in the Greek, it's a descending force. 
It's a divine force, an invasion of divine, miraculous power that invaded the entire region and the, the world. It would invade the whole world until he comes. Please understand uh, what we do here, 51st and Broadway. We're not playing church. We're not coming here just to, to sing some songs and hear some preaching. We are here. We are here to invade darkness with the light of Christ. We are here to reverse darkness with the light of Christ. Now, it's so amazing because he, the, the, the power of God, the, Jesus is still followed because he still performs super, supernatural signs and wonders. And his power is, is a power against It's the power for, and it's the power coming upon. It's the power against, against darkness. It's the power against the uh, discouragement and against deceit and against defeat and even death. It's a power that stands when you have no strength against fear and the lies of the enemy. It's a power against trauma, no matter what you have been through. It's a power against sin, against addiction. It's a power against guilt and shame, against hell and Satan himself. And it's a power not only against, it's a power for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? It's a power for, for salvation. It's a power for divine forgiveness, for divine capacity to forgive. It's a power for healing. It's a power for restoration. It's a power. It's a power for reconciliation. It's a power God wants to multiply uh, by his presence, by his spirit, by the resurrection, same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. He wants to multiply his nature and his grace in us. It's a power against, it's a power for, and it's a power upon. Upon each and every one of us who, who are his children. It's upon his church. It's upon, it's upon the most undeserving of us. When we feel the most undeserving, when we feel the most, when we know what nobody else knows and God knows and we, our head goes down, his grace lifts your head and says, my grace still comes upon you. My love still comes upon you. Say yes, please. I want all, the, all, all of us that are undeserving to shout yes this afternoon. It's a power. Jesus is still followed by multitudes because he still performs supernatural signs and wonders. And you say, well, question, Pastor Claude, what, what does that really mean for me, for us today in 2023? It means that if you were told that accepting Christ would diminish something in your life. You would lose something. Oh, if I, if I follow the Lord, look what I'm going to have to give up. No, no. When you follow Christ, he has abundant life for you. Everything in life is multiplying. It means that the Christian life Jesus offers is not a minimum life. A mediocrity and stagnant, small, small, uh, small-minded, religious, legalistic, and routine. No, no. He offers a multiplied life. It means that in each season of your life, there are fresh and new dimensions of his grace and nature he wants to multiply in you. In the first, in the previous chapter of John, Jesus actually asked a man by the pool, do you want to be healed? Well, in chapter six, what he's asking me and you is, do you want to be transformed? 
do you want to be multiplied? Are you satisfied with the measure you have? Uh, I, I believe that, uh, uh, and I say this with a shudder, large portions of the body of Christ are, act as if they, they're quite content with what they have until he returns. I believe our hearts burns with, with two things. Deep, deep, deep gratitude. Uh, the words cannot express how grateful we are for what he has done in our life. Amazing grace. Say yes, please. But blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Lord God, thank you for yesterday, but I'm hungry today. I'm hungry today for the new, continue multiplying my life. Say to somebody next to you, he's not done multiplying you. Say that to somebody next to you. Jesus is, the, the miracle of multiplication teaches us that Jesus is still followed by multitude because he still performs supernatural signs and wonders. And my second thought, Jesus is still revealing his supernatural secrets for multiplication. In John ch chapter 6 and in verse, in, in verse uh, uh, 3, we, we read from uh, uh, verse 3, and Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming towards him. Now when you put together the, the feast of the Jews mentioned in chapter 5, the expression in the beginning of chapter 6, verse 1, after these things and the Passover that was near, it indicates that there's, the, there's about six months to a year between the end of chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 6. Jesus is, now, is not in Galilee anymore. He's in Jerusalem. He's, in, he's not in the south. He's on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And lifting up his eyes, he saw a great multitudes coming toward him. And this is the Spirit. This is what Times Square Church has, uh, has done by the power of the Spirit decades after decades from Pastor Dave to Pastor Carter to Pastor Tim and our elders and our team. Uh, the Spirit of God has allowed this church to never stop lifting their eyes towards the multitudes that are coming, that are coming towards us. Pa Pastor Tim's vision is burning with, a, with a, the word of God from this pulpit, reaching New Yorkers by the thousands, but also reaching the world through the different languages where the word is, is, go, is going to go. And I want to speak prophetically and, and the, let he that has an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, but also to this body of uh, believer. Multitudes, multitudes are coming towards us and they need Jesus. Any Jesus, lift up your eyes, lift up your lift up your eyes. This miracle is detailed in the four gospels, but the Gospel of Mark gives us a behind the scene. It's a behind the scene uh, uh, that's very important. A behind the scene look, so powerful, so important. If we want to truly understand and make ours and appropriate to our, our own lives, the true motivation for multiplication. True motivation for multiplication is not to have larger numbers. It's not to have to, no, no, no. There, there's something so deep that's there. If we look at the Gospel of Mark, it's, it's the same story. And Jesus said to them, says to his disciples, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest for a, uh, for a while. Verse 31. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. And they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. 
But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived and be, before them and came together to him. And Jesus, and, when, and Jesus, when he came out, saw the great multitude, lifted up his eyes, and saw the multitude, and he was moved with compassion. Moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep without not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. That's the, motive, that, that's the deep motivation. It's quite, a, it's quite a look behind the scene. The picture that Mark paints is the disciples so, so, uh, in, in so, so involved in ministry and the, and the demanding crowds and the people that are sick and people that are hurting, the people that are demonic and the opposition and the battle. They, there's few churches, the few cities, there's few cities in the world where believers and the leadership uh, of churches like uh, have uh, the fierce battles you have here in the spirit world in New York City. So there's, there's, there's that fight and that grind and there, there's that battle. And Jesus takes them aside. He says, you come, let's come over with me. Come over. And it's an amazing moment. They, he gets them on a boat, and they push away from the screaming crowd. You, got, you can almost imagine the disciples. You're in the boat with me. They, you imagine the disciples start to, the crowd is so, is so loud, but then they kinda, uh, it kind of fades away, and they're alone in the presence of Jesus. I know, you don't seem to be getting it. Um, so here's what we're going to do. This side and half, Right here, this side, you will, for a few seconds, please be the screaming crowds. You know that. They heal me, uh, free me, Jesus. I'm hungry. I'm broken. I'm, uh, let me hear the, the screaming crowd. One, two, three. And then, then they took them away. Very good screaming crowd. And you can almost hear Peter Oh, oh, this is so good. What a presence of God. Beautiful worship. Ricardo and the singers. This is, they were all in the boat. And Ricardo and the singers. This is so beautiful. This is worship. The choir behind. Oh, this is so beautiful. You can almost hear Peter say, let's build three altars here. Let's stay right here on the lake with Jesus. That's not surprising. That shouldn't surprise you because that's where most of modern churches are parked. They're parked on the lake just among ourselves. Bless me, touch me, uh, goosebump me, prophesy me, teach me, end times, tell me, uh, uh, you know. No, just us and Jesus, not that, 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 oh, it's so ugly out there. But the Bible says that the hungry, starving crowd, knowing where they were going, went around the lake and found them on the other side. So this half and this group, you're the crowd that has turned and went around the lake. Would you please just, uh, you just say, hey, hi, Jesus, it's us. Would you, one, two, three. I have to say they're better than the first sight, I have to say. Uh, you can always hear Peter, oh, no, not them. Not them. So many, so many believers, so many churches just shut in within ourselves. Not them. No, no but Jesus moved. That's why he multiplies. Moved with compassion. Splagizome. We get the word spleen from splagi. It's the interior. It's the inside. So moved inside. Zome is movement. So moved inside. I have to do something. I have to go to the cross. I have to die for them. So move that he began to teach them many things. Oh God, move our hearts again for the cross around. Say yes, please. Spajizome. 
And then he reveals. Jesus is still revealing his supernatural secrets. Secrets for multiplication. Still John 6. And we read from, a, a verse, uh, from, from verse 5. And he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered and said, 200 denarii. The, the 200 denarii is not, uh, uh, is not enough, uh, not worth of bread. It's not sufficient for them. That everyone would uh, even add a little bit. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saw, uh, said to him, there's a lad, there's a boy here who has five ba bar um, uh, barley loaves and two small fishes. But what is that among so many people? Now, please understand, there's a cycle, there's a dynamic, there's a practice in the kingdom principles that are unchanging. They're, they're irreplaceable, immutable, they're infallible, that we could call the supernatural secrets for multiplication that will be real from Jesus to you today until he comes. In every area of your life, every challenge, every battle of your life, every season of your life, multiplication is found in openness, offering obedience and orientation. It's found in you being uh, open to what God wants to do now and obedient and offering yourself in, obe in obedience to God. It starts with openness. Jesus said, ask Philip, where shall, uh, looking at the crowds, 25,000 people, where shall we find the bread? Now please understand that when Jesus asks a question, he's not looking for information. I'm so, so encouraged and I'm so blessed that the, the author says he, he was doing that to test him. The Greek word is to bring to light, to show what was inside, to test their faith. But, but the, the, amazing, the, the amazing sentence is that Jesus uh, uh, asked a question, not, not looking for information, because he already knew what he was about to do. How many of you know that when everything else is spinning around our world and in the news and in the economy and in the wars and in the nations and within our own lives and our own homes, when we don't know what we shall do, he always knows what he's going to do. He holds it all. He's Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. He holds it all and we rest in his everlasting arms, in, in his everlasting arms, in the confidence that he always knows what he's going to do. He knows what he's going to do. But, but the question is, he's testing their faith. Are you open? He's asking us and asking them and asking us, are you open for me to moving in multiplication in your life in a way that's miraculous, but that you've never seen before? At this point in their lives, they've had, the, in the five chapters preceding, there's miracles, but he's, he's going to do something that they've never seen before. They've never planned. It was beyond their scope and understanding. Are you still someone that's open for God to move in a different way that you had planned. A different season, different timing and sequence that, you, that you've never seen or known. There's many, many miracles in these first chapters, but he's about to do something completely new. He, he said that that is still the test, the calling of Christ for us today. Are you willing to trust me, says Jesus, with all, when all of your human analysis and reasoning dictate that the situation is impossible? You're willing to trust me 25,000, we don't have the, are you willing to trust me in your health, in your family, in your couple, in your marriage, with your children, in your calling, in, in the secret battles of your heart? Nothing, nothing went like I thought. In a tragedy you just went through, in hurt, in a trauma, are you open for him to do in you and then through you what you 
are clear, where you clearly feel insufficient for. Philip answered Jesus like we do. He's doing human, human analysis. 200 denaries. The denary was one day's work, so it's eight months' salary. Oh, no, no, no way. It's not even enough for people to have a little bit. He's just, he's just rationalizing, and he's just, he's just locking Jesus in his human understanding. Are, are you open to the miraculous when you are overwhelmed? permeated and filled with what you don't have. Jesus asked Philip, where shall we find the bread? We know, from, we know that Philip is from there. He's from Bethesda, Juliar. It was his native region when Jesus said, where can we find the bread? He can name you all the grocery stores that didn't have in that region. All the stuff they didn't have. And the enemy wants to fill you with what you don't have, what you don't have in your past, in your family, in your upbringing, what you don't have in yourself, what you don't have in your, in your resources. Sometimes we could be so overwhelmed with what we don't have, with what seems so, so impossible that we, we lose sight for a moment of the God to whom nothing is impossible. Jesus asked Philip, please, please hear this. When God wants to do something amazing, He starts with something difficult. But when he wants to do something miraculous, he starts with something impossible. So it begins with openness. Are you willing to allow Jesus to renew your mind? To have the mind of Christ on your situation right now, today, now. To change your mentality, way of thinking about your impossible situation. And Philip responds to Jesus with, it's not enough. It's not enough for them. Not even for, for uh, it's not enough. And if, if, if it ever happened, it was not even enough for everyone to have, for everybody to have a little. That is like, that is like when you're facing something so, so horrible. You've been through a divorce. You've been through a brokenness. You've been through a split. You've been through a, uh, fa a failure, a bankruptcy, a, a disappointment that is such a death. You're mourning someone and you're in a place where you say, if I ever heal from this, I'll just survive. He says, it won't be enough. But, and even if it was, it'd just be little bits. I'm here to declare that the God of the multiplication, that Jesus doesn't only want to pull you out of this so you would survive. He wants to restore. He wants to renew. He wants to multiply his grace. Please, in advance, by faith, give him praise. Mm. So you begin by opening yourself to what he will want to do, he wants to do now, and then you offer it all to him. Offer him the broken pieces. Offer it all. Offer uh, up everything to him. The miracle will multiply when you are ready to offer it all to him with all your limitations to your God who is without limitations. And we see this in, two, in this passage, of course, by the, the little boy who offered up his, his, uh, his uh, loaves and fishes. But I also see it in, in Peter's brother, Andrew, who literally offered himself. He offered himself to connect the little boy with Jesus. And we said, this is one of the greatest ways God uses us and multiplies our impact one person at a time. Just, just you offering uh, uh, your life, your, your testimony, to sharing to someone at work or at school or in your family or online with a friend. You, you offering yourself up to God so you would connect people to Jesus. 
This is what Andrew did a few chapters later in chapter 12 of the Gospel of John. Uh, some, some religious Greeks that had come for this, this horrible, uh, ritualistic, dead religious exercise. And they're so, so hungry and thirsty for reality, for something real with God, that they come to Philip. And they, you read it in John chapter 12. They say to Philip, uh, Sir... We would want to see Jesus. And Philip uh, introduces them to Andrew. And it's Andrew that connects them to Jesus. Listen, you say, oh, yeah, well, you, of course you, Pastor Cole, you, you, you uh, pastors, you guys preach. It's how you, you, I, 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 have been, I have been so conscious all these years that beyond, uh, I preach to thousands of people face-to-face uh, every week and to tens of thousands online. But everywhere I go, I know God wants to use me to connect people to Jesus. And I have a taxi cab anointing. Oh, yeah. I get in cabs. I have stories in cabs. Like cab drivers. Uh, uh, a while back, I was coming back from Europe at night. Late night, flight so were delayed. I, I'm getting home like from midnight to uh, 12.30 to 1.30 in the morning. I get in the cab. I'm exhausted. But I look, and, and I, hello, sir. And he's, he's, a, he's a man from Haiti. I love Haiti. We've been in missions. and I've been in Haiti dozens of times. I start talking about Haiti. You know Haiti. And by the end of the conversation, he's telling me about his wife, his family, his kid that's sick. I say, hey, let's pray. You want me to pray for you? Okay. So, so we get out of the car. My wife heard the car, the taxi pull up in the driveway. She's looking to open the door. She's looking out the window. I'm there in the driveway, 1.30 in the morning, praying with a, with a cab driver. I was in, a, I was in Colorado Springs uh, just a few months back. Uh, board meeting in Colorado Springs. It finishes. I got a small, short flight to Denver, so I'm, dry, I'm flying home after. I get, I'm preaching the next day. It's a four-hour flight from Denver to Montreal. So I'm there, and the, uh, I get to the airport in Colorado Springs, and they say, oh, your flight is delayed, 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 delayed. I'm going to miss my connection. And they've done something that happened to me before. They said, we're going to put you in a cab. You, you drive a cab. Yeah, somebody said nice. Yeah, right. Uh, Put you in a cab to Denver. A cab to Denver. Two hours a cab to Denver. I'm sorry. I, I would lie if I would tell you that I was floating in, in grace and butterflies of joys. I wasn't. So I go grab my bag and I'm, I get in. And, and small things bother you when, you when you're just human. So I sit in the cab. It's not, it's, it's, it's dusty and it smells bad. So I get my phone out. And, and you know, and, uh, and I don't even have time to pretend that I'm doing something with my phone. That the cab driver says, hello, sir. Uh, what were you doing in Colorado Springs? So, well, I'm a pastor. Your pastor? Then big eyes in the review mirror is looking at me. Your pastor? I said, yes, I am. I'm thinking, what? Do I have the one, one crazy maniac driver who hates pastors? Well, how long is it going to? Two hours to Denver? No, no, no. He goes, goes well, that's, that's something. He says, uh, my daddy was a pastor for years and years and years. And he just passed away. And because of stuff I had seen in the church and the way people treated my daddy, he says, I stayed away from the things of God for the longest time. But he says, my mama, he says, my mama never stops praying for me. She's always on me. Thank God for mamas that no, don't give up. And she, she, he says, she's tiny, but she's always like, you know, this is a big dude. And she says, oh, and she says, oh, you've been too stubborn for too long. She says, I'm upping it. She says, I am asking God to send angels your way. Don't laugh. There's French angels. There's French-speaking angels. 
So then I'm really, I got an hour left. I said, okay, I am looking at him, he's driving. I got an hour, listen, man, what more do you want? God sent me to tell you about, and, and, and he has nowhere to go. He's driving me to Denver, and at the end we stop, we're praying together, I lead him in the prayer. I, 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 I want you to, rem to remember that God wants to multiply you to connect people to Jesus. It's, it's openness and you just, you offer it all to him. You offer it all to him and then you, you obey. Just obey no matter how, how incredible it sounds, no matter how, how limited you feel. When the day was now far, in Mark 6, far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and now the time, the hour's late. Send them away. And he answered and said to them, you give them to eat. And these words have been burned in my spirit from the beginning of our church's life. But in the last few years, never had a, a heavier, before the pandemic, we had three, we were a church on multiple sites. We had three sites. We now have eight sites. Last Sunday, by the grace of God, 7,000 people met in person in, in the province of Quebec. Because listen, these words, these words are burned by the Holy Spirit into my heart. They just keep, I keep, they keep coming back, coming, coming back to me. The place is a desert. The hour is late. Send them away. The place is a desert. We're in New York City, spiritually, and in the nation, wherever you're watching, it, it is a deserted place spiritually. Our nations are deserted spiritually, and the hour is late. How many of you understand and, and discern in your spirit, you wake up and say, I know the hour is late. I know this is the end of the end of times. The hour is late. The place is deserted, and a large portion of the Christian church say, send them away. We'll just stay among ourselves until Jesus comes. But Jesus says, no, you give them the bread of life. You give them my, let me multiply you to reach them. Hallelujah. You give them to eat. This is what we do here. This is, oh, every one of us. Oh, God, I'm open to what you want to do in my life today. Oh, God, I, I, I offer it all to him. I offer it all to you. The words used for bread and fish here are very current. They were used in everyday life. There was different kinds of fish, different kind of bread. The two words that are here are literally, you would translate them, it was a cracker in the tiniest fish. It seems so little. It seems so insignificant. But that, that, that's that moment when you feel that what you have to bring and what you have to forgive and what you have to do, it, just so, it seems so insignificant. But obedience is the magnet for the favor and multiplied miraculous blessing and provision of God. You just obey. You just obey and offer. Just obey and offer it to him. Because, and, why, and this is a setup. This is Jesus' intro and setup to make clear and articulate without a shadow of a doubt how absolutely impossible your situation is. He wants it to be crystal clear for generations to come all the way to you and me tomorrow and until he comes. If it's going to be happening, if it's going to be fulfilled, it will be him. All him. All glory to him. Only him. Your crackers are not enough. Say to somebody next to you, your fish and your loaves are too tiny. Say that to somebody next to you. It's just too small. You can't do it. No, no, no. You can't do it. It's, we open an offer. And we move, we move in obedience. In John 6, 
and verse 10 to 13, last verse. And Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, and the men sat down in numbers of about 5,000. That's 20,000, 25 with the children and the women. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples. And the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise, the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragment that remain, so that nothing is lost. And therefore they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragment of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Wow. Mark says it even more specifically. Mark said in Mark 6.41, he says, When he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. Please understand. Did you ever see it, really see it that way? They, they brought the completely insufficient into Jesus' hand. And Jesus prays, gives thanks, and he gives them back what, they, what seemed to them completely insufficient. And it's when they take what is clearly insufficient and they just offer it and, and, and obey that that's where the multiplication takes place. Many, many are uh, in circles of the prophetic and many, many, many are waiting for the big stuff to happen before they move. Move in obedience to God with what you have now. Move with your, your biscuits and your, just move and offer it. And as you offer, he will multiply. Only what is offered, I'm going to ask the musicians to come. Only what is offered to Jesus has the potential to be blessed and multiplied. Only what is broken will yield new levels of blessings and breakthroughs. Don't fear your brokenness. Don't fear your season of brokenness. Because brokenness always prepares. Prepares you for the blessing. He offered thanks and he broke it. And then it multiplied. The blessing must be distributed to be multiplied. Openness Offering and obedience must be protected with purposeful orientation. We just read it. Don't be disoriented spiritually. Disoriented to be, to be adrift, to be bewildered, unsettled, off course. No, no. Did you notice it? They, when, when, everything, when the miracle took place, Jesus said, okay, take everything that's left of the blessing, 12 baskets for the 12. They're going right into a storm. You need to read the next chapter. They're going right into a storm. And the word for basket was a very common word. It was a word for a traveling bag. It was just a bag. It was a traveling bag, like a small traveling luggage. It was just a traveling bag. Please, uh, uh, I would say it this way. No, don't forget to bring your travel bag filled with the fruit of the faithfulness and miraculous past provision of God in your storm. How many of you think about it? You have a bag of God's faithfulness and blessing. This is what He's done. No matter what the storm, I'm not disoriented. I'm not losing my orientation. My eyes, my heart are on His promises. He's been faithful. Here's my bag of promises. And He will multiply it again. Say yes, please. Jesus is standing at the door. And He knocks. And He says... Will you allow me to multiply you? Not only to make you better, not only to, to fix the momentary, but to multiply my grace and my life and my testimony and my nature in you to such a way 
will be a greater multiplication than any one, chapter 1 to 5 you've ever had. I have a new chapter for you. I, th that verse of uh, Jesus standing at the door is, is, is a powerful verse. Jesus stands at the door uh, and he, in, in Revelation chapter 320, he says, I stand at the door and I knock and if you open, I will come in and have relationship done with you. And it's a verse often used for people that do not know the Lord and he is knocking at the door of hearts. But it was really a verse to a church. It was a ch it's to one of seven churches. It's a verse to, to believers. Jesus standing at the door saying, let me come in and, and multiply you and use you for my glory, no matter what field you're in. And that verse has been preached by many people, but they, I don't know if you've seen this. I don't follow American football so much. I'm more of a, of a hockey guy from Canada, but I was, I, you couldn't miss it. It was, it was just millions, people just, just sharing and sharing and sharing, just millions of views. After the, uh, the football game, the NFL game last week, Demarius Davis is a, is a linebacker for the New Orleans Saints. And last Sunday, post-game interview, if you look at the caption, you go watch on YouTube after the service today. Post-game interview turned into sermon. He's a believer and he, he began, he just I had this big, this big game. And he comes out and he says, well, today it's going to be a bit different. He says, hold on. He says, um, I want to share with you um, Revelation 3.20. Jesus is standing at the door. He starts to tell the testimony that's very last weekend of his daughter. He has a young daughter. And she was a cancer survivor, but she still suffered uh, cyclically from uh, uh, epileptic seizure. And she had just had the worst of her life. For over 30 minutes, she was, she was in convulsions. And, and, and they were so terrified. They, 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 the uh, ambulance came, took her emergency uh, straight to the hospital. On the way to the hospital, her heart stopped twice. And twice, she, they, they had to, to, to reanimate re re her. And, and when they got to the hospital, they, they, humanly him and his wife, they're spinning what it's going to be. They, uh, she gonna be uh, they, they all know what these, what, what these seizures can do. They, they, as parents, they knew so well. And, and they, uh, they, they was, was worried, will she stutter? Will she have a speech impediment from now on? Will she, is she going to have, was there a, a, a moment where, where uh, there's a lack of oxygen to the brain and they're just terrified and he, he's praying, oh God, you're standing at the door and oh God, I, I pray your blessing. And, and, and he says at three in the morning, while she's resting in the hospital, they're all there. He says, I heard another knock. It was my daughter who woke up perfectly, perfectly restored. And he said, and he said, and this is what touched me. This is what, I mean, this is a football. He's saying this in front of a room filled with, with newspapers and the whole world is watching and he's preaching uh, Revelation 3.20, Jesus is knocking at the door. And he says, she, she, she was, she was uh, speaking well before, but I'm telling you, she's speaking better now. And so, so the, the next day, she's supposed to be weeks uh, to recuperate from this. The next day she's out, she's at her sister's birthday. So on Monday, it was a post, post, post game interview. And he showed up again and he said, I'm sorry, we're not talking about football today. I want to tell you what's happening in my home. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is multiplying, multiplying men and women that will offer themselves up. Oh, I want you to stand and give him the biggest praise offering that you can. I want to hear a standing ovation in the house of God. Let me hear a shout of victory. So this is the call today for you online. And right here, right here in Times Square Church, if you can bow your heads for a moment, 
And if you feel free to respond to this call, I believe the Holy Spirit brought me to bring this word to you and to you online, wherever you are in the world. If you're here today, would you respond and lift your hands and say, oh God, I'm, I'm offering myself to you over this place. You are here. Even when I don't see you, you are moving. You are my way maker. Oh God, I've been stuck in Haran, in the place of small, small fruit, small worship, small faithfulness. Small, oh God, I, I had known a better day before or the enemy stole it, but I will not die in the place of small fruit. Oh God, I need Jesus. I need your power against. I need your power for me and to come upon me. Come and multiply me. Yes, I say yes. You have, you have to respond. I lift my hands. I say yes. I am open to what you want to do in my life. To multiply. You are the multiply. You want to multiply your nature in me. You work in me and through me. Uh, I'm facing something I did not plan. I did not understand. I, I do not understand. And I clearly, I know I don't have what it takes. I know all I have are loaves and fishes. But I'm offering myself up to you today. Come on, do it all over the, the building. Do it all over the nations, wherever you are. All over the U.S., all over the Europe, wherever you are. You lift your hands and say, God, I'm offering myself. To, I'm bringing my, my fish and uh, my loaves to you. I'm offering myself to you. I will offer everything to you, oh God. My, my small loaves and fishes are yours. I will obey. In what seems insignificant, what seems irrational even to me, I will obey, I will surrender, I will release, I will forgive, I will say yes to what you want to do in my life. In the name of Jesus. Can I hear an Acts chapter 4 moment when they all lifted their voices together? All over the place. Would you lift your hands and offer yourself to God? This is not a song. This is a prayer time. This is a, a moment that we build an altar and we say, you are here. You are here, oh God. You are the God of our multiplication. And we offer ourselves to you. Thank you for the chapter 1 to 5 in my life. But this is chapter 6. I am, I'm entering in. We pray as a church. Oh God, I pray, fill us again. Fill us more even with your vision, your perspective. Oh God, the hour is late and the city is deserted spiritually, but we will not send them away. Fill our hearts with your compassion. Fill our hearts with your splutches, oh may. Oh God, we lift our voices and our hearts and our souls to you. We offer ourselves to you. You are here, oh God, in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message and be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.